All right, everybody, take your seats, please. We have a special guest lecturer today. Take your seats, please. Thank you. Hi there, and welcome to the Change Academy podcast. My name is Brock Armstrong, and you'll hear from my co-host, Monica Reinagel, very soon. Just hang on for that. But first of all, you may know me from my other podcast called the Get Fit Guy podcast, where I talk about the science of movement and fitness. And you may know Monica from her other podcast called The Nutrition Diva. And that's where she talks about the science of food and nutrition. Or you may know us from a third location, which is as the creators of the Way Less program, where we help people achieve sustainable weight loss without dieting. And you know what? It was actually our work together on that program that ultimately led to us creating this podcast right here that you are listening to right now that's all about the fascinating science of behavior change. Now, today's episode is all about those times when we get excited about an idea and we follow through on a goal and are very successful at it. But while everything should be peaches and cream, we realize that this isn't the reality that we thought we wanted, or maybe our feelings and goals have simply changed. And that is when we are faced with the problem of what do we do next? Is it a failure to bail out and try something else? Do we need to change everything about our lives to feel fulfilled again? What are our options when this happens? Now, a lot more about that later. But first, I want to take a second to share with you a review that came in on Apple Podcasts from listener RBB01. I'm sure that's not your real name. And the title of this review is Your Past Does Not Predict Your Future. Now, the review says, I just caught up with this podcast and think it is the best one I've listened to so far. It reinforced my conviction that just because I have had significant weight loss in the past and put that weight back on does not mean that I am doomed to do it again. But change has to happen. Old habits broken and goals and objectives reset to achieve my objective and then practice the sustainability of being a thin person. Now, for me, this time failure is not an option. I am going to succeed with the understanding that there will be setbacks and possibly some detours. I look forward to achieving the new me with help from these podcasts and these two expert coaches. All right. Thank you, RBB01. That is a great review, and I'm really happy that we've made a difference for you. It is true that we often hold ourselves back because of the beliefs that we have. Just because we haven't reached our ultimate goal in the past doesn't mean that it's unattainable for the rest of our lives. So that is a great realization. I'm so glad we were able to help you make that change of mindset. And I wish you all the best in achieving the new me with help from our podcast. All right, so let's get on with the interview with Naomi Rothstein. Now, Naomi holds a Bachelor of Science in Exercise Science and is a personal trainer, certified health coach, and also the host of the One Fit Foodie podcast, where she facilitates conversations with other leaders around the struggles and the triumphs of the entrepreneurial journey. She's a former fitness competitor, and because of that, Naomi knows all too well the vicious cycle of binging and restricting and over-exercising and also how overwhelming and all-consuming diet and body image can be. 
And today she's going to discuss with Monica her own personal experiences and how she overcame them and how that experience made her actually more effectively able to support the other people that she works with in these same types of struggles. And I'm sure you'll get a lot from this conversation as well. So take it away, Monica and Naomi. Naomi, thank you so much for taking some time to visit with us today in the Change Academy. Yes, thank you so much for having me, Monica and Brock. I'm really grateful for this opportunity and excited to chat. So as you may know, in the Change Academy podcast, we talk all about the process of change, the way we choose and create and sustain changes in our lives. And of course, the effort is to be moving towards something that feels more like our best life or our ideal self. And what I find so fascinating about your particular change story is that it's almost the opposite of the kind of thing we usually hear about. So many of these transformation stories that we might run into, they would frequently end where yours begins. Mm. So you were, in your sort of before, you were a competitive bodybuilder. You were a fitness model. And a lot of people might see that kind of as the goal, as the pinnacle. You were there. And yet you decided that that actually was not a healthy way for you to live. So before we talk about what came next for you, the after, I'd love to hear what it was about that period in your life that you felt like you needed to change, having having achieved that goal. Yeah, it's it's um it's interesting. I've never heard anyone put it like that and it's so, you know, as you were talking I was, you know, we're rec- recording this podcast and I'm just shaking my head like because you're right. It's I think a lot of people have this ideal, you know, goal and for me at the time it was getting on stage and it was having a certain look and I had a lot of goals for myself at the time which definitely shifted and changed so I, I'm a personal trainer. I've been in fitness my whole life, the health and wellness industry. Um, I have a BS in exercise science. And my, I, was, I was exposed to the world of competitive fitness competitions because when I started competing, people in my life were like, how, what is this? Like, how did you even <laughs> find, like, what is this? You're going to like be in a sparkly bikini and be all tan and makeup and what? Like, what do you mean? So I started going to Gold's Gym with my mom when I was uh, in high school still, actually. And it was a super hard-bodied Gold's Gym. And so it was there that I kind of got a sneak peek into the life of a competitive fitness athlete. They were there were trainers there who were training women to compete and they would put on their sparkly bikinis and their heels and they would go in the fitness studio and pose. And so I was really exposed to it at an early age. And I think back then I said, hmm, that would be fun to do. Like that would be fun to do. And then I kind of, you know, obviously put it to the wayside. So in my first job out of college, I was working at a corporate health management. Um, I was managing a corporate fitness center. So I worked inside of a corporate company. I was managing a gym and there was a girl there who was training for a fitness competition. She was competing in in um, bikini and model, which is uh, eventually what I did. And so it kind of reignited that fire for me. I said, huh, this is an actual person who I'm seeing every day come in with her gym bag and her workout and so dedicated. And so I started talking to her and I was in a really bad relationship at the time. The icing on the cake for me was when my boyfriend at the time, I was 24. He said, I'm no longer physically attracted to you because you've gained weight. And I said, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to sign up for a show. So to say, I don't want to say that I did it for the wrong reasons because I, it had always kind of been a little dream of mine, but it, it was definitely that push. So I dove deep into the world of fitness competitions. And for those listening who have done it, 
who have even tried to do it, you've experienced the highs and lows, that kind of dopamine hit when you're on stage and you're getting all the comments on your body and how good you look. And that was happening to me. I was getting noticed by men and women. My personal training career was taking off. I basically lived to be validated by the way I looked. And I was really addicted to how lean I got. I tried to maintain that all year round, which obviously is not healthy. How you look on stage the day of a show, I tried to you know, maintain that look. And I really fed off comments about my body and I used it as validation. So as you can imagine, it took me down a wormhole for many years. Uh, My parents were not super thrilled with the fact that I kept competing. I went on to do six competitions in four years. I actually became a coach for the team I was working with. I began to have a really disordered relationship with my body and with food. And so it was, you know, that, that shift for me, that change was, you know, I I couldn't live my life like this. I was obsessed with food. I was obsessed with the lack of food. I was obsessed with my body. I was obsessed with comments. I uh, didn't have much of a social life. I had a very rigid attitude and very inflexible lifestyle, so to say. And it was just, it was something that I knew I couldn't continue And I got really sick in there at 26. I had a perforated peptic ulcer. Mm -hmm. And that was, for me, that moment in my recovery. I had emergency surgery. was kind of the wake-up call that I needed to change and needed to put that chapter of my life behind me. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and what you accomplished during that time is nothing to to belittle, right? That was a lot of hard work, Mm -hmm. dedication, and discipline, and a really difficult thing that you achieved. So you must have felt proud at what you had accomplished and what you were able to do. I can imagine getting some satisfaction out of thinking like, wow, I set myself this really challenging goal and then I knocked it out of the park. But did the realization of how it was affecting your mental health, your physical health, you said it was kind of an aha moment as you're waking up after emergency surgery. Had there been signs along the way that hmm, this is maybe not uh, taking me in a direction I want to go? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and the answer is yes, <laughs> definitely. Um, what were some of those signs? Yeah, I think every time that I had to turn down a social event because I, you know, it was either getting in the way of my planned workout or I was going out to eat at a restaurant and I was not in control of what we were ordering and I didn't know Mm -hmm. how that would affect me. You know, oftentimes when you go out with a big group of girlfriends or even just a big group at a, you know, an event, um, if they order food for the table, or if you go to a barbecue and the food there is the food there. And, um, I, 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 the word wing it to me, um, was not in my vocabulary. Everything was really planned. Everything was really well thought out. And if I got thrown off that well thought out planned track, I got anxiety. I got stressed. I often cried. Um, it affected how my family traveled. I brought food with me everywhere. And I knew all of those signs were not great and not sustainable, but I also didn't know otherwise. And this may sound really silly, but I, I almost liked having so much like willpower. I almost liked having this crutch of, you know, I'm, I'm competing for a show. So when I would go out with friends, it would be like, Oh, don't pass the breadbasket to Naomi. She has a show coming up. And so I was scared about removing this crutch from under me where I would have to face eating bread and I would have to face these events. And, um, so yes, I definitely knew, (laughs) but those are some examples. 
I definitely want to circle back to what you just brought up. But first, as you are coming to this realization that something has to change, that you want to change your focus or your goals, or I guess it really meant about changing what your life was organized around. Mm. Do you remember having a new objective at that point, you know, something else that you decided you want to strive for instead, or was it just a matter of like, I can't do this anymore? I think actually quite the opposite. I think that I needed to learn how to live my life without having a goal, like without Mm -hmm. having something. And it's funny because now, you know, I teach women the same thing in my online course, One Fit Future, where I help women get out of that diet mentality and ditching the diets. And they get really anxious, uh, some of them in the beginning, of course, because they're so used to following a diet or a rigid plan or a food protocol. And what I help them with is pretty much not having a plan. And I needed to learn how to live my life without a coach next to me telling me, okay, a fourth of a cup of oatmeal and these are your workouts. Like I just needed to live my life. I wanted to meet someone to be in a long-term relationship with. I wanted to see my friends. Like I just wanted to live my life. So it sounds like your new objective was to be able to live your life without so much external control and structure and absolutely planned and preordained, you know, but to have a little bit more flexibility. Yes. So how did you navigate that change? I can imagine thinking, okay, I really want to do this differently. I want to learn a new way of living, but I bet a lot of people listening might imagine themselves in that situation and think when you had been living so rigidly, so controlled, so sort of dominated by one goal that you were working for, that the thought of relaxing those rules would lead them to just go completely off the rails. And you kind of alluded to that, that without that control, like what was going to keep you from just completely melting down, completely Mm. falling apart? Did you, do you remember having that fear or did you have an answer in mind for that? Oh, I, 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 of course I remember that fear. And I think it's something that creep i mean now if it creeps in i mean immediately i squash it it's kind of like i have a i have this you know let's say my husband and i travel some you know to a hotel we're staying in a hotel and there's no gym like if that was me when i was age 25 i would throw a tantrum with my if my family mm-hmm. if i was traveling like i needed a gym i needed a gym there was no way i wasn't going to have a gym but now i'm like huh that would be cool if there's a gym there but also like we can work out outside and I I come up with all these other um, reasons why there's no need to have a gym and I'm going to be fine. And I think that at the time, at least, you know, I, I obviously not obviously, but I chose to have a therapist. I think that helped me a lot deal with some of the anxiety I had around this lack of structure. I had a ton of support from my family. Obviously my parents, I'm super close with them. I was actually living at home at the time during all of this. So living with them actually helped me a lot because my parents got to see me um, expose myself to different foods, eating real foods again, not weighing and measuring my food. And I think it's just honestly like taking it small bits at a time and learning to gain trust with your body over time. I knew it wasn't going to happen overnight. I knew it wasn't like a snap of the fingers and I would all of a sudden be comfortable with no gym and no structure and, you know, eating ice cream every day. Not that I do, but, um, (laughs) it was okay. Uh, I'm craving some ice cream right now and I'm going to eat it because I want it and seeing, huh, 
my body didn't change. I'm okay. And actually that curbed a craving that I might have later. So it was doing these little um, tasks, we'll say, like focusing on one thing every day or focusing on one goal each week to um, begin to gain more trust with my body over time in order to see a really um, a bigger change in my life. Yeah. It sounds like you were using a lot of the tools that we talk a lot about in the Change Academy, you know, curiosity. What happened? If I change, what is the result of that without being, you know, super attached to a specific outcome, just to be willing to learn, to be willing to experiment and collect evidence about what works and what doesn't work. But I can imagine that must have taken a lot of courage. Yeah, it it definitely, it, it took a lot of courage. And I think when I finally, um, you know, after my surgery and I, and I kind of, you know, I did my last fitness competition, it's funny because once I kind of got into this idea that I really did want to change, and by change, I mean really enjoy my life again, it was like I did my last fitness competition and I knew that was going to be my last one because I thought about doing another and I just didn't feel in alignment. It was almost like I was telling myself one thing, yet I was forcing myself to do another and I couldn't force myself to do another show because I was enjoying the beginning stages of this freedom I was feeling. And I didn't want to go back to putting, you know, frozen, you know, weighing frozen chicken and broccoli and brown rice and spending my life that way. I just, it didn't see it for me. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you had a clear vision of something else that you wanted to bring into your life or Mm -hmm. a different way of living. But Nonetheless, as with all the support that you had with your family, your parents, your therapist, it sounds like you really had your head screwed on straight. You knew what you wanted and why, all very important components of a successful change. As you left that life, obviously your body changed, right? When you weren't competing, when you weren't weighing, you know, every flake of oatmeal and (laughs) every gram of chicken and you weren't working out obsessively. That must have been strange for you, especially because you were so focused on how your body looked to have it change into something that anybody would still look at and say like, oh my gosh, you have a beautiful shape, you have a beautiful body. But was it difficult for you to see your body changing or was it welcome? Were you like, yes, this is the outward manifestation of this new inner change that I want to create? Yeah, that's a great question too. And and let me clarify, it's not like all of a sudden I put on 30 pounds when I started <laughs> when I decided to not compete. I, you know, maybe I put on a few pounds, but it it was the the look that I was trying to maintain and again, if anyone listening has ever seen fitness competitors like the day of a show when they're super lean and super tan, they diet down for that show for sure. a week. It, yeah, dehydrated. Oh yeah, you know, everything. Too. We we measure our water, we measure, you know, it's it's intense. And And so I wanted to be as close to that as possible, which is really unsustainable. It's unsustainable. I've, so for me, I was just not in a healthy place. And, you know, my, my mom, I would take pictures of myself to send to my coach and, um, you know, you could see my rib cage a little bit and, uh, my face looked really sunken in. And so when I started, you know, putting, eating good fats and healthy foods and fruits and vegetables, a little bit more nutritious foods and in bigger quantities and actually looking like myself again, I was Mm. actually getting a lot of positive validation from a lot of people in my life. And I think that for me helped a lot. It wasn't like, whoa, Naomi, what happened to your onstage body? It was, okay, I'm, I'm feeling confident. I'm dating. I'm getting validated by men I'm going on dates with. My clients are loving the way I look, my parents, my family. So it was like, 
like, huh. And, and at the end of the day, let me, let me just say, I felt super strong and I felt super comfortable with myself. I wasn't because I was allowing myself these, you know, things that I was with foods that I was withholding. And, um, I was just enjoying my life. It was like an all encompassing change for me, I think. So from where you are now, this is now several years in the rearview mirror, you've built a whole different life for yourself and a whole different focus to your professional life. Does it still matter to you how other people see your body? Do you feel like that's become less important to you now or still important, but just with different values? I think, I think it's still important, but for different values. I think that's a really good way to put it. Obviously I am, I, I'm gung ho, you know, active lifestyle. My husband and I, you know, meeting someone with an active lifestyle is obviously super important to me. So, um, I'm very active. I eat very healthy. I still work out. Um, I don't push myself when I don't feel good. I don't feel like it. So I have a much more balanced approach. And, um, I've, I mean, the way I look now is how my body has looked pretty much for the last, I would say like four years, five years even. So I feel really in a good place, um, with how I look and the perfect balance of, you know, eating whole unprocessed foods and not following a plan and strength training at least three times a week. And I've just found this really beautiful balance where my body feels really happy. So yeah, it is important to me. Um, but it's because it makes me feel good to exercise and to eat healthy. And that's how I feel my ultimate best and energized. Um, and obviously I, I feel it less now, but if you're a fitness professional, there might be this little underlying pressure to quote unquote, look a certain way because you're, I don't know, it, it maybe there's this, it's like walking into Sephora. I've said this before. It's like walking into Sephora and wanting to get your makeup done and looking around at the women who work and men who work there and choosing who you'd get your makeup done by someone whose makeup you like. So mm-hmm. the same can go for when someone thinks about looking for a trainer but I just don't feel the pressure to look a certain way because I want to look this way that I do because it makes me feel good. And I found this beautiful balance. What's your favorite thing to do with that strong, healthy body? What do you like to use it for now that you're not using it to, to win medals on stage? <laughs> with it now? Definitely not. Move, probably move my body. And I think that also, um, stepping away from the stage and stepping away from such a rigid workout schedule has also, you know, and I would encourage anyone listening to this who has a very structured schedule, um, of, you know, specific workouts, it has gotten me to try so many new types of move, new types of new forms, excuse me, of, uh, moving my body. I've taken dance classes, uh, playing tennis, being active, going on hikes, going on longer endurance bike rides. So trying lots of different things that, you know, when I was age 25, 24, knee deep in this, I would have never, never strayed from my plan. So I just love this feeling of trying different things that I never would have done before. Sounds like it's really broadened your horizons and opened your life up in some new directions. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I'm still, you know, I'm still a work in progress in terms of flexibility in my, in my, (laughs) I can, I can still be quite rigid, um, with certain things. Um, you know, I like control and, um, I like having a plan. I don't like the unknown, but that's something that I work on every single day. Sure. Hey, there's nothing wrong with having a plan. We like to say (laughs) it's always good to have a plan and then to have a plan when things don't go according to plan. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. Yes. So true. 
Hey everybody, it's Brock here. Before Naomi and Monica get into giving you your lab experiment for this episode, I just wanted to interject with some of my key takeaways. And once again, I'm in the unique position of being a listener to this conversation, just like you guys. And these are the things that I've been jotting down as I've been listening. Now, the first thing is that sometimes what you think the goal actually is really becomes the aha moment that will actually make the major change in your life. Now, another thing I noticed was that keeping an eye out for warning signs that what you've achieved actually isn't healthy or sustainable is a really important thing to do. And another one of the takeaways that I got was that willpower can actually be addictive. Using that willpower over and over again can actually be addictive which is the wrong thing to build a habit around. <laughs> now, another one of the takeaways that I got was that even if you have a history of being a bit of a control freak, you can learn to relax and shake that all or nothing mentality like Naomi did. And finally, you can change the values of your goals to be more sustainable without completely abandoning them altogether. All right. Let's get back into the conversation and find out what our lab experiment is for this episode. Well, Naomi, we like to end each episode of the podcast with what we call a lab experiment. This is something our listeners can do to take some sort of action based on what we discussed in this episode. And I'm thinking it might be interesting for folks having now listened to your story. And thank you for being so open, so candid with us. Might be interesting for folks to explore whether any of their current goals or objectives might actually not be about living their best life, but working maybe for someone else's approval or um, something else that doesn't feel like it's aligned with their best self. If they were to discover something like that, what would you suggest they do next? What would be the first step to take if you find yourself in position with an unsustainable objective or one that you feel isn't serving you. Honestly, this might, this might sound harsh, but I would just say, stop what you're doing. Like stop. (laughs) stop. I mean, it's, it's all about taking action. And I talk about this all the time as I'm helping other fitness professionals grow their business now. And it's like a lot of times we're scared to do this thing and, um, or leave the job and go into fitness or, and it's like, take that first step and just, And just stop what you're doing. If what you're doing doesn't feel in alignment, you're going to end up being so resentful of the thing that you are spending so much time, so much energy, maybe even money. Um, But I think energy is worse than time personally. Um, I'm sorry, energy is worse than money. So I would say just stop what you're doing and put pen to paper and write down three things that you could do this week that that will either get you out of what you're doing that you don't feel in alignment with and then jot down on another piece of paper all of the things that you are passionate about and that that in your perfect life like in your ideal day like what does your ideal day look like from morning until night and what is one action step you could take so that might be calling a friend to talk about it looking into hiring a coach a mentor getting a therapist it could be something so small or large but i would just say take that first step like you're ready. Yeah. Well, I think that's great advice. Sometimes we can't see what's next until we clear away what's here, you know, that we have, but that does take a courage to kind of step into the unknown or step into a void. Mm -hmm. I 
stopping something that is not working for us without knowing what that next thing is. Sometimes though, it's the only way to get enough clarity to create enough space to think about what might come next. Yeah, absolutely. But if nothing else, I think it's really interesting to just take a look at our goals, the ones that we might list sort of reflexively if somebody said, you know, what are your top goals right now? Maybe many of us will be able to spit out a few. And I think it's always worth looking at those and thinking, are those really my goals? Are those really the things that I want most for myself? Or have I imported these from somebody else's dream or vision or set of priorities? Um, you know, even just that can be really clarifying. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that it happens more often than we think that we we get ourselves into something because someone else is doing it or we strive for something and we don't even know why, but we're just unhappy. And then if you sit back and you think, this isn't bringing me joy, this mm-hmm. isn't bringing me joy, what are you going to do about it? Like what, what's, what's going to be that thing, that aha moment that gets you to change? Right. Well, hopefully it will not be lying in the recovery room after emergency <laughs> surgery, but I'm so glad that you recovered so beautifully from your sort of uh, rock bottom moment and have come back so strong and so positive and now are helping other people build lives that work better for them. And I just want to thank you for coming and sharing your story with, uh, with our listeners at the Change Academy. I hope you'll come back again sometime. Yes. Thank you so much, Monica and Brock. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much. All right. I'd like to thank Naomi one more time for coming on the Change Academy podcast and sharing all her wisdom. That was a really great conversation. I know I got a lot out of it. And if you want to find out more about Naomi, you can go to her website, which is One Fit Foodie. And that's one, the number one, fitfoodie, F-O-O-D-I-E dot com, onefitfoodie.com. And from there, you can find her Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or Pinterest or Google Plus or LinkedIn, all of the good stuff at onefitfoodie.com. And you can also find everything about Monica and I over at changeacademypodcast.com, where you can get on our newsletter so we can let you know when new episodes have come out or any events or workshops that we're putting on happen. You can also find us on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and you can find us as Change Academy or Change ACPOD, Change Ac Pod. And I have one last thing to ask you, and that is a bit of a favor. If you like this podcast and you find that you're getting a lot out of it, the best thing you can do to help the podcast grow and to help spread the word is to literally spread the word by telling people about the podcast, whether that's on social media or tell your coworkers, tell your friends, tell your family, let anybody you know that you think would benefit from this podcast, how to find it and why they should subscribe. That would mean the world to us. All right, we'll talk to you next time on the next episode of Change Academy. All right, everybody, thanks for coming. Don't forget to check out Naomi's website, onefitfoodie.com, and we'll talk to you next time.